On this episode of Water Flying, we're going to be discussing a game-changing new innovation for the seaplane community. You are listening to Water Flying, a show dedicated to all things seaplanes. Brought to you by the Seaplane Pilots Association. My name is Steve McCoy. I'm the executive director of the Seaplane Pilots Association, which is the world's largest nonprofit advocacy organization dedicated to the protection and promotion of the water flying community. Climb aboard! We're about to start today's episode. Well, welcome back to another episode of Water Flying. This time I'm joined by my good friend, Sid Penny, to discuss the turbo float pump, which is a cordless drill-powered flow pump that has a replaceable 20-micron filter built into the unit with the intent of preventing the spread of aquatic invasive species. So I'd like to welcome my good friend, Sid. Hey, Steve. How's it going? Thank you for letting me hang out with you today. Oh, uh, it's a pleasure, as always. And we were we just were out uh, testing the pump before today's show and doing some educational videos uh, for our friends in the uh, Western Regional Panel and our invasive species uh, waterway managers. I've had a blast. actually got a, a few good takes in there. You probably have some, some good outtakes as well, but nonetheless, <laughs> had a good time. Well, you know, the importance of this episode and the product we're talking about today really goes back to the importance of, this, of seaplane pilots being good stewards and stopping the spread of invasive species. And one of the largest threats to our access uh, to water, not only here in the United States, but around the world. Uh, not, and again, today and in the future, uh, every day, it's going to become more and more of a threat is boat. The boating community is having to really adhere to some serious regulations more and more to deal with, again, not spreading invasive species uh, in their belt water uh, or on any water that may be resident within the boat or on their hulls. And that's why we've done videos and have training programs regarding invasive species. And so in a continuing effort uh, to try to address this, uh, we have come together on, on this pump to realize that uh, we can do a better job. I think so. And then uh, some pushing and prodding from Steve along the way, um, I think we built something that is actually, it's a game changer for the industry. So I'm, and I'm excited to bring it to you guys and I'll be interested to, uh, to uh, share it with uh, more people in the outside world. Well, I, <laughs> there you go. And we're almost there. Yeah, we're getting closer. We're getting close. So uh, I always like to start the podcast out with letting the uh, listeners learn a little bit about who's on the show and how we came together and what their history is. So you are uh, have a history with flying. You have a I history do. with seaplanes. And you have, obviously, a history with engineering, which has led to this product. So why don't you go back and, and just kind of let the listeners know a little bit about what that journey has looked like? Well, I wish I could say it was <clears throat> a completely original journey, because um, you'll see I've followed my father's footsteps in a couple different ways. Um, I'm actually fairly old. I'm not a young young pup like you, Steve. <laughs> but uh, but my my dad um, was in World War II, and he was a uh, going through the the training for uh, being a Air Corps uh, Army Air Corps pilot in the early early days. Um, ended up getting washed out. Was end up uh, ended up a German POW um, in the Battle of the Bulge. 
very humble man. Didn't really talk about much about anything except one thing, and that was his flying experience. So later in, in his life, he ended up getting airplanes, and I remember riding in a Luscom in the early days, like I was eight or nine, and I just fell in love. Couldn't get enough What a of great it. airplane. Easy one to fall in love with. Oh, yeah. It's just so gentle. It's so much fun to fly. I couldn't touch the rudder pedals, but I, I, I got to fly it, and I just enjoyed it. So around 14 or 15, I started flying, uh, started taking lessons and Work my web, work my web to the point where I could solo. So I did that, and then I flew everywhere by myself, and it was a, an amazing time. That was back in when it was eighteen dollars, I think, an hour to fly. Eighteen dollars, <laughs> I think it was yeah. uh, when I first started my PPO uh, at Cavair in nineteen eighty three. I think I was paying thirty or thirty five dollars for yeah. one fifty two. There you go. I think I was five or six years earlier than you, but but I got to fly, and then I finally got my license, and uh, and I've just had this love affair with flying ever since. It's uh, every, as everyone talked about, talk about dreams with flying. I still have them. Um, and since then, I've, I've continued to, to invest my time and, and my attention to become a hopefully a safe pilot as I can. Um, I own a couple airplanes, uh, and I work myself into it to become a CFI. And I try to be as diligent as I can. But the most fun I've ever, ever, ever had flying was when um, I stumbled into an opportunity to go to Alaska and fly with Don Lee at Alaska Floats and Skis. It was absolutely incredible. And um, I went back the next year. I went back the next year. The next year. I'm counting <laughs> on my fingers, by the way. The next year, the next year, and one more year. <clears throat> and that's seven total. And I just love going back for the sake of it was just summer camp for pilots. I enjoyed it. I could sit on the dock all day. I could fly or I could not fly. I could fish. I could play with their dog, Boomer. It was just a lot of fun. But at the end of the day, um, I'm, I'm also uh, a, uh, uh, an engineer in addition to a, a certified flight instructor and, and somebody that just doesn't like to do a lot of work when I don't have to. So I kept looking at these guys on the dock, and then I actually would help them pump floats as well, and realized there just had to be a better way. This mm -hmm. hand-pumping floats, it just seemed so archaic to me. I thought there had to be something different. So when I left Alaska Floats and Skis two years ago, I vowed to Don and Missy that I'm going to invent something, and I'm going to give it to them. And I did. And that's awesome. So we just got back from Alaska doing our advocacy tour, which was the topic of the last podcast we did, and a uh, cover story for the next issue of Waterflying Magazine that's coming out. We spent a lot of time with Don and Missy and, and up in Tolkitna, which is a, just a magical place. It is. And um, again, the, what's nice about there, it, it's easy to get hooked up there because mm -hmm. they have just such a, an amazing family atmosphere yep. at, their, at their camp. Oh, Absolutely. Top to bottom. I ended up staying at their, uh, Don's son had a, um, a bed, and, uh, not a bed and breakfast, a, an Airbnb that I stayed at. Fantastic. On the same lake, Christensen Lake. And it was just such a great experience. And they're just a, such a magnificent family to begin with. But they, they made me fall in love with seaplane flying and I've never looked back. It's the most amazing thing ever. So big shout out to Don and Missy and everyone at Alaska oh, yeah. Floats and Skis because we love you guys. And uh, we have you on every opportunity we can. I'm sure it won't be too long till we, well, we'll be seeing them again. Uh, they'll be next to us at Air Venture in Hangar C at, uh, at the main awesome. show. Very good. So um, uh, I just want to kind of stress this. So you're a pilot, you're a seaplane pilot, you're a tail dragger pilot. I am, yep. And you're an engineer and you have a Bonanza and a Highlander. So you're, yes. you know, a real world tailwheel seaplane kind of guy yeah. that's an engineer. And I just love the hell out of that. <laughs> <laughs> it makes interesting conversations, but also it, it, uh, it just makes me think differently. I just, uh, I want to make things better all the time. So, 
So I remember a couple of years ago after that trip, uh, probably that fateful trip to uh, Alaska floats and skis, you were frustrated with the hand pumps. And uh, not shortly thereafter, you walked into the office, proud as can be, beaming from ear to ear yep. with your new cordless drill powered flow pump. How'd that go? Well, um, <clears throat> oddly enough, the it was it was a consistency problem that really drove me crazy. I was buying uh, drill pumps that on on the surface looked like they would work pretty well, but they really could never pull a true dry suction up more than maybe six to ten inches, and that's just not adequate for what we're trying to do here. So um, I had to go back to the drawing board, and I spent months and months and months trying to find the right uh, the right drill pump that could do exactly what I wanted, and I finally found it. That was one of my big breakthroughs, and when I found that. After showing you the original pump, uh, that's when I knew I had a winner. And so I believe it was shortly thereafter I came down with the new design and showed you. And yet one more time you looked at me and you had that smile. And it was like, this is really cool, but. <laughs> and then the, exactly. the, the air just going yeah. out of the balloon. You were beaming. And, and all then, of a sudden I'm oh like, man, kick to the curb. I <laughs> <laughs> and but the the idea was it was a great idea, Sid. However, what I would like it to do, and what is most important to me, is I need to find a way to stop invasive species being transmitted from one lake to another via the this via the seaplane. So we got to come up with a way to put a filter on it. Yeah, and you know I thought it was very admirable, and I really admired the passion that you had for coming up with the pump in the first place. Yeah. And I hated to shoot you down. That's no, okay. But I spent like literally almost as much time working invasive species for the community and and trying to navigate and engineer ways that we are not part of the problem that I couldn't with good conscience bring a new pump to the market, you know, where we're reinventing the traditional flow pump that we've used for over 75 years in seaplanes without meeting the current challenges that right. the seaplane community is facing today, which at every turn, the Seaplane Pilots Association is having to justify and engineer and work with waterway managers to ensure the protection of these resources in a way that allows us to have the same access that's afforded to the boating community, which is also having to meet increasingly stringent standards as far as how they're dealing with and mitigating uh, any impacts that boating and recreational activities, even commercial activities, can have on the health of our waterways through the introduction of invasive species. Right. Exactly. <clears throat> so and it was critical. It was a, you know, I, I just thought it was a non starter to bring this new flow pump, which I, I thought was really cool, but we were missing the opportunity to do something different to address our current crisis right. or our current needs to, to face uh, the, the challenges that were coming at our community, which again, invasive species, invasive species, invasive species. So I threw it back. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm probably not going to be accused of having humility um, very often. <laughs> but in this case, I actually had to, to suck it up a little bit and realize I may have something worthy to get us halfway there, but your idea took it all the way. And so I went back to the drawing board and started redesigning and redesigning. 
And then that was the next version. And that's where, <laughs> and that was back in December, I believe. And then you had a big meeting, as I recall. Yeah, we had an annual board meeting coming up in January, which was earlier than normal. And again, you had brought this beautiful unit with yeah. a filter attached. And, and now you were once again beaming. With of course. It. And for once, I received it well and said, this is awesome. We got to get this out as soon yep. as possible. I want to put it into the people that we work with within the AIS world uh, to get their opinion. And I can't wait to do it. But first, I want to take it to our board meeting, which is coming up in January. So can you get me a, a production model, a pre-production model mm-hmm. that could go into production of this unit? And you did. I did. I did, as a matter of fact. I remember how I brought it to you. It was a, it was a material that was great for prototyping, and it worked. It wouldn't work for 10 years, but it worked for a few years. But but that's what I gave you. <clears throat> and, and it we was took a bit it, brittle. <laughs> and we took it to the board meeting. And, you know, we had been in this long, drawn-out board meeting all day. And I had just been kind of waiting to unveil what I thought was a very serious and important innovation for the seaplane community, which was the that iteration of the turbo float pump. And we had... We were being hosted by Southern Seaplanes. I had asked them to take an airplane out on their ramp, which they did. And I had asked them to fill one of the floats up with water, which they did. And then we paraded 13 board members uh, and all the Southern Seaplane staff out (laughs) to demo this new float pump that we were so excited about. And Carter picks it up out of the boardroom, meeting room where we were, and drops it. (laughs) And subsequently broke it. And subsequently <laughs> broke yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and all the Ups air goes out of our big, you know, our big day. So, you know, but through adversity comes an opportunity to further innovate. And in all honesty, I'm glad that we had that failure rather than having it be in a customer's hands right. or in someone's hands like the, the invasive species world where, that we were at asking or are about to ask to evaluate the unit because it had a weakness that we really hadn't anticipated as well as we thought we had. Right. Um, it was the, the unit itself was fit for purpose. It would do whatever you'd want to do. But the first thing was it had a, a weak point. Most structures do have a weak point. You just have to find them. Carter did. <laughs> but, <laughs> leave, it to, uh, leave it to Carter. Leave it to Carter. <laughs> but, uh, but if you, if you think about it, and I went back to the drawing board, I made a, a, a much different version, which pulled everything back. Closer and tighter. Exactly. So now I've eliminated that, that weakness, and at the same time makes it easier to hold and handle and ship and everything like that. So it, it actually, thank you, Carter. <laughs> <laughs> For breaking. For breaking. <laughs> It all worked out, but, but and Carter's uh, not here today. He's in the Navy doing uh, some uh, reserve yeah. uh, work for the Navy, so he's getting thrown under their bus and accolades at the same time. And he's not even here to defend himself. <laughs> so, but you know, I think uh, so. You went you went back to the drawing boards in February. I did. I, did. I went back and and uh, the the things I'm really trying to fix on it were. Um, First of all, durability, and to do that, I actually I went to a different material that I was uh, bring I was building it out of. Number one, but number two, I wanted to actually make it come back so it uh, it again was much more sleek uh, for the user. And then there was a couple of things that actually that were game changers for me. Um, when you hook it up to a twenty volt drill, and it sit out, sits out there on a, on a free spindle, it is a weapon. 
Mm-hmm. I'm not joking, Steve. It it hurts. Yeah, we we had to hold it. You had to hold it, right? Yeah. So I was sitting there, and um, I actually had a scar on my leg where the pipe had come <laughs> around. And I said, I can't, I cannot do this. And my wife says, from a liability perspective, this is crazy. Said, I don't want you to ship any more of these out. Be better. That's one of her things she always says: is just be better. Be better. Which it, oh, you God. come to a both. You yeah. appreciate in the long run, but in the short run, it's kind of like walking in with me, and you just yeah. hate to even have that discussion at times. Oh yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So I, I looked at it and then now my engineering mind kicked in and realized it's really simple to stop a drill from spinning. You just have to stop it at the very start and you do, and it doesn't take much pressure at all. So I built another brace that actually fits around the, the output of the pump itself and then attaches to any common drill. Every modern drill has actually a little hole with a, with a bolt inside of it that I screw right into. And that literally makes the drill stop spinning. Well, at least the, the implement stops spinning. The drill spins. But. The drill spins. It spins the pump, but the, yeah. the filter and apparatus. the rest of the pump, the apparatus doesn't yeah. spin. But it also made it a lot more compact. Right. It did. It did. So it fits in your float compartment or your baggage compartment. Mm-hmm. It's a lot tighter unit. I, again, I think it's a lot more durable of a design because now we've eliminated, or you've eliminated, uh, a this lot of other potential. Appendage, this huge appendage yeah. was sitting out there. And yeah. you had a lever arm effect. So yep. a little bit of pressure applied to the outside of the arm was a lot of pressure on the inside mm-hmm. where th- where this union was. Right. And so you eliminated it, and then you also reinforced it with a with a reinforcement bar that, I did, yeah. that secures it. And it allows, actually, the filter to be attached to it as mm-hmm. well, conveniently. Exactly. It's made a nice, tight uh, package. Uh, I think it's more refined. It's more polished. And I think now we're ready. I think so. Waiting for the next <laughs> button, but that hasn't happened yet. So, uh, and, and again, uh, now is the time we're going to go out and share it so we can bring it out to the general public. Um, so tell me a little bit more about this because there's a lot of thought and there's some unique features and, and, you know, we think it's great. We've stressed the importance of it. We've talked about some of the shortcomings, but let's talk about some of the design features, uh, that really make this the unit that it is fair enough well um we couldn't do anything without the pump <clears throat> and so as i'd mentioned earlier the the early stage pumps that i was finding well they they're more than more than adequate to move water from one side of your yard to another they're not meant to actually pull any type of a suction more than maybe six to eight inches that was the problem but when i found this pump it's a german machine german machine pump um I started reading about it, and the the claim was you could drop a garden hose in a river 14 feet below you, turn the drill on, and it's going to pull a suction from 13 feet below. So number one, sucking uh, a dry pipe with a 14-foot draw, Mm -hmm. vertical draw, is almost unheard of. It's unheard of. Yeah, exactly. And then number two, the amount of running time Mm -hmm. to drive an impeller dry so liquid impellers, pumps that have impellers that are built to handle liquid, typically don't like to run dry. It causes them to self-destruct. Exactly. <laughs> and to do that where this is a reliable pump mechanism mm-hmm. that can handle a regular dry draw from 13 feet vertical. Yeah, you is, can then is, guarantee then it's going to be able to handle one at least two feet to at the most three feet, depending on how, how tall your, your floats are, right? So once I had that, that was, like I said, that was the first breakthrough. And it, um, it allowed me to, to, A, sleep at night because I was really worried. <laughs> I wanted this in the worst way, but I wanted to make sure I was building something safe. 
and had a safety factor of at least five, which was one of my old engineering tricks that, <laughs> that one of my static and dynamics instructors told me. But, um, but I had to make it safe. So that was the first part. And the other part was actually being able to finally create a tube that made a 180-degree bend and do so in a way that would still let water flow and would be smooth on the inside. And I was able to figure that out as well. And it took me a while to get that done. But I did, and I made the pipe. And that, those are the two major breakthroughs in this whole thing. So now I've got a unit that actually does exactly what it says it does. But then that's when I kind of step in, and that's when the good man called Steve says, well, that's great, but um, I want it to do much more. And this is what I want it to do. And so then the next thing was basically that the first, I would say the first true prototype was one that, that we had been talking and teasing Carter about. But now this is the one that actually has the true 90 degree bend and it just looks sleeker. And so uh, the breakthroughs for me were the, the pump itself, uh, finding and matching with the right drill, the, the 180 degree bend, and then matching up with kind of the desires and needs of the Seaplane Pilots Association. Those are the breakthroughs. Well, and so the, some of the features that, that I pushed mm. was this 20 micron filter right. that's been incorporated into it. Mm-hmm. So this is a standard off the shelf uh, 20 micron filter yes. that can be bought. We're mm-hmm. going to recommend that it's purchased through turbo flow pumps yep. because we mm-hmm. want to make sure that they have the right one. Yep. But it is a standard off the shelf, low cost filter. It is, absolutely. And the other thing is it's field replaceable. Mm-hmm. And it has a relatively long life. I think right now you and I have been kind of estimating what the life, I think for most seaplane pilots, one of these filters for $50 or mm-hmm. so should last at least a year. Oh, yeah. They they say uh, one year or 2,000 gallons. So whichever comes first. And if you're pumping 2,000 gallons out of your floats in a season. You can afford it. <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think you need uh, yeah. to have your floats looked at. So. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And, and uh, then also another important criteria was that it would fit Whip Air, Aeroset, Edo, Claymar, Aqua, and, and now PK exactly. with an adapter. Well, Funny enough, uh, I have a neighbor up at where I live. I live at Leeward Air Ranch up in near Ocala, and um, he has a, a set of PK floats on a Super Cub. <clears throat> and I, you know, quickly run, ran up to show him the, the, the invention. And I looked, <laughs> and it's like, oh, man, I can't fit that. And so he said, well, there's a PK float. They have an adapter. So I went and bought an adapter, and then I made my, my unit fit their adapter, and then I went and had a custom pipe, uh, silicone pipe made to fit my adapter as well. So it all works together. So if you have a PK pump, you're not left out. You're not a stepchild here. You're in the you're in the family. So. And and you know, and I honestly don't have this answer, but I can tell you it it, ha, it is interesting. Whip Air, Aeroset, Edo, Claymar, they all Aqua, they all use a similar float cup for the uh, pump out. They do. Uh PK, no discredit to them. They just did something different and it's a different uh cup, so it needed a different adapter and you've accommodated that. So, uh I think we can accommodate the majority of the floats that are out there. I don't know any floats other than maybe some of the older floats that mm-hmm. didn't have pop out cups, uh, which we could still make an adapter for. Or you could make an adapter for. Uh, so this will generally work on anything from a cub to a caravan. Exactly. I believe so. So that is, and I know we were talking to a, a caravan customer earlier this week who is extremely happy with one of the early, he's kind of like an alpha tester or beta tester mm-hmm. for you. And uh, we had him on the phone and, and he's super pleased with the unit. Absolutely. Well, and I hope to make it as, as, as fittable to anything as I can. And, and if anything were to happen, somebody doesn't, it doesn't fit, you just got to call me and I'll, I'll make it fit. I'll find something or I'll design something for you right away. That's, that's a, a commitment I would make, so. 
And so what goes into the float pump out cup is a long wear silicon nozzle. Mm -hmm. And so again, it's designed to be soft and malleable and also durable and long lasting. So uh, it has a soft uh, nozzle that in that you physically put down into the float cup. Uh, You've got this high quality German pump housing, which was really essential to making a successful pump uh, with these these impellers. Uh, And it's a beautiful unit. So it's it's this unique combination Mm -hmm. Uh, meeting my criteria of, again, most importantly, making sure that we were able to filter out the Veligers mm-hmm. for zebra mussels and quagga mussels and any other AIS right. through this 20 micron filter. Exactly. Going back to actually the, to the silicon nozzle, what was so important there is um, it, it has to fit perfectly in the cup and it has to create a perfect seal. Because if any air gets into this system, that, that pump is so powerful, it'll, it'll just, it'll stop. It won't, it won't pump anything, right? So that's so, so critical to get the right um, silicon nozzle. And then um, after that, uh, I remember testing it on, on a couple of seaplanes up at, uh, up at Tavares. And um, I remember the guy saying, oh, I got everything out of it. I said, okay, well, do you mind if I try? And he said, sure, go ahead. So I did. And I, I hit all the pumps, uh, four in, or all the, all the chambers, four on each side. And I pulled probably 20 gallons out total. And he couldn't believe it. But what was also coming up was um, algae and junk from growth the within the, the flow exactly. tube. And he had tube. said he had pumped him that earlier that day and had only had one flight. So he shouldn't have had any water in the float. So he thought that uh, maybe the, the hand pump wasn't actually pulling through all that um, algae. So when it, and all this black stuff came out, it was it was clear I was pulling stuff out of that put tube that was definitely shouldn't be there. So you're talking like 120 pounds of water. Yes, that could be critical from a CG perspective, Mm -hmm. not to mention gross weight perspective coming out of an airplane that this pilot thought was completely pumped and ready to go. Exactly. And I think, you know, that kind of stresses one of the things that, that I like is that a lot of pilots don't open up their individual compartments. They don't open up their inspection uh, hatches. Right. And uh, you should do this on a regular basis Mm -hmm. because I know we went to test an airplane earlier this week. Yep. And we were wondering why it wasn't works, working, so we started scratching our heads, and, and lo and behold, uh, number one, the tube wasn't attached, and then number two, when we did attach the tube, it had a crack in it, so it was sucking air, so it wasn't pulling as much water through as it should have. Exactly, and actually one more feature to that was, and, and by the way, if, if anybody, uh, as you're hearing this, do go out and check your tubes. Uh, yeah, uh, top that's, to bottom. that's the point of the, yeah, bringing exactly. this up. But the other one was at the bottom of the tube that, uh, that actually wasn't attached to the cup, I noticed it had a crack in it that went up an inch and a half. So guess what? When the water gets down to an inch and a half, it's going to be it's an It's not going to suck any it's further. It's not going to suck any further, no yeah. matter what you do. Because it's always going to suck the easiest thing to suck first, right. which air is a lot easier to suck than water. Exactly. So it's going to suck air all day long. So it, it's really good. So I think, again, what it brought home to me from a safety perspective, just even testing this product is by testing your product, it's helping us come up with other things that are kind of beginning of season things that pilots mm-hmm. should be checking. Yeah, exactly. Or that they should check maybe once a quarter mm-hmm. on their floats. I would. Open up the compartments, and I know I will now, <laughs> and check those tubes. Check that they're not clogged. Uh, check that they are actually connected, um, and check that they are in the water and not cracked, uh, that they're at the lowest point of the float and not right. cracked. So, again, these are the kinds of, 
I, I think things that may be easy to overlook that seem obvious that that obviously are overlooked because we found an airplane mm-hmm. with it. And I don't think it's uncommon for pilots to kind of take that for granted that that tube is there. It's in good condition and it's doing what it's supposed to. Oh, exactly. Exactly. And if it's not, you don't know. You, you, again, you could be in a critical CG situation. Um, you could be in a critical gross weight situation. So please, uh, Take the time to, to either beginning the season or once a quarter, not just during the annual, and especially during the annual, and check the quality of these tubes. Uh, so again, your product has kind of in it kind of brought home uh, this extra piece of it. So um, target price, we talked about this. So I feel that it should only be delivered. I think we've agreed that mm-hmm. it should only be delivered attached to the drill, so it's easy for people to take out of the box and use. Right. Uh, and it seems like there's two camps. It seems like there's a Milwaukee camp and a DeWalt camp. Exactly. <laughs> so exactly. I think uh, probably going to try to make it available with either unit, mm-hmm. but it'll come as a uh, ready-to-use unit. Exactly. And the the price itself, um, I honestly don't want to make any money on the drill. Somebody's making money. You don't need to pay any more. So I will, whatever I get the drill for, I'll pass it to you. But I will tell you, if I ship this, it's going to be a DeWalt 20-volt drill, and it's going to be at least 200 bucks as, as part of the pricing. And I'm not getting any discount on that, certainly. But my yeah. goal is this thing has to spend 2,000 RPM, it has to be reliable, and it has to last. And those are the only ways I can, and the only way I can ensure that is make sure I get you the right drill. Yeah, and I think, again, the quality of DeWalt, I think you've seen my hangar. Oh, yeah. There's probably 20 DeWalt tools in my hangar. So, uh, again, I think that's part of the thing because we're operating in remote areas. uh, Having reliability is key. And, again, making sure that someone doesn't misassemble it or do something the wrong way. So, target price, $650. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, I have to stress, if that sounds like a lot for a float pump, uh, there are a couple of things that you really have to consider. And number one is the pressure. As your advocate out here keeping water open and trying like uh, the, the darndest that we can do to ensure that we continue to have access to waterways, I can tell you the seaplane community is under great pressure to be great stewards and not transport aquatic invasive species from one waterway to the next. And this $650 investment is going to be a small price to pay for not losing access to most of the water that you currently use. And this is nothing to joke about. Even in Alaska, Mm -hmm. we're seeing massive pressure on controls of seaplane access, potential regulations that could lock us out of water and we have gone all in at the seaplane pilots association and i'm again spending almost as much time as i am on safety working with waterway managers regulators the scientific community the research community on coming up with ways to ensure that we're meeting the same standards as the boating community and that we are doing our part to be good stewards so 650 dollars from that perspective is a no-brainer Also, you have a drill in there. You have this high-quality German pump, and you're getting rid of uh, the need to manually pump your floats anymore. Exactly. And it just, it makes it so much easier. I am... you can pump it from the dock. Well, guess what? The dock doesn't cover both sides. So now you're actually out there you're maneuvering around on a, on, a, on a float, and you may fall in. You don't want to do that. Um, and while you're hand pumping, it just, it's so awkward, and it can be so much easier. And that's all I tried to do here was just make it easier. 
Yeah. Well, I have to thank you because you've been patient with me uh, as I've kind of gone through a couple of times when I've been less than excited <laughs> to, to your, Made me more persistent. Your, your pride and joy. And yeah. you've stuck in there for a couple of years. I mean, I think we've been on the journey probably since the first day you walked in the door. It's been probably two years. It has been. Yeah. And you have not... I I feel guilty at times because I haven't been able to spend as much time with you as I've wanted to. And I, I'm like, I hope Sid doesn't get disenchanted or think I'm not totally engaged or excited about this because I really am. But you've kind of, you, you've, you've stayed with me on this. I have. I mean, I am um, coffee and uh, the light going on at four in the morning. I actually have terrible insomnia. So when I'm up, I don't do anything else but mess with this. I'll get so a text on <laughs> Sunday morning. I know. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> no, it's all good. So uh, I think this is a great innovation. Uh, I can't wait to put it. And literally tomorrow, we've got multiple units here in the office. Uh, tomorrow, they'll be going out to our first round of uh, invasive species uh, advocates that we work with to get their opinion, uh, their professional opinion awesome. as the people that are creating the regulations and enforcing the regulations for, for not only the seaplane community, but also the boating community. Mm-hmm. And there are similar types of innovations that have happened in the boating world. Uh, we were looking at the wakeboarding boats, right. <clears throat> uh, which can be outfitted with a filter when mm-hmm. they unload the water that they use for ballast to make the giant wakes. So I'm I think this follows right along that th- same thought process, even though it wasn't really the thought process that started the genesis of the product. And I think it also, that product sets great precedence for this being accepted. So oh, I absolutely. hope that's the case. I hope so too. I mean, it's, it's been fun regardless. Um, I enjoy design. I enjoy printing and I enjoy um, showing people what I've done. It's, it's a labor of love. So We'll see where it goes. But at the end of my day, I do want to make sure people are safe. Uh, and if anything else, if on the podcast, somebody goes, wait a second, let me go check my, uh, my tubes. Yeah. <laughs> and, and they find out that we were right. The tubes are cracked. Or they're not getting all the water out. We just did our job, Steve. I mean, that's all that matters. So Yeah, it is. So how can people get a hold of you? Well, a couple of ways. Um, you can go to uh, www.turbofloat.com. You'll find me there. Um, you're welcome to email me at sidpenny at gmail.com. I answered that as well. And uh, if you're ever in uh, Florida, let me uh, let me know. I'll happily come find you, and we'll uh, we'll grab a dinner, or lunch, or coffee, or something, and talk more about it. But at a minimum, don't hesitate to reach out if you want to know information more. If you want to know more information about this, and as you can already tell, I'm happy to talk about it. So let me know. And I'm just thankful that you haven't charged us for all the av gas that you've oh, yeah. used <laughs> flying back and forth your bonanza back and forth to the office to have meetings with me. No worries. It's fast. <laughs> <laughs> so I really appreciate it. I'm excited about this opportunity. Uh, and uh, I just, uh, now I'm smiling ear to ear. You are. He is. So I hope I don't I get shot down. <laughs> so I really would like to thank uh, you for joining us for another episode of Water Flying. Again, as always, I hope it has not only been informative, but it's been entertaining uh, and also demonstrating yet another way that the Seaplane Pilots Association is partnering with and influencing companies and individuals like Sid from Turbo Flow Pumps to help develop new products to maintain our access to waterways where there are concerns such as AIS. 
This is a huge step in the right direction to help us innovate in a way that there's been very little innovation. And I want to also stress that the Seaplane Pilots Association is also pursuing other products and innovations in the form of safety uh, to our operations. So until next time, fly safe, fly often, and please share the show with your friends. Take care, my friends. We are so glad you joined us today. If you like today's show, I highly encourage you to join the Seaplane Pilots Association and become a member of the largest seaplane community in the world. Members receive Water Flying, the only full-color glossy magazine dedicated to the seaplane community. And it's available in both printed and digital form. Your membership also includes access to the Water Landing Directory app, which has the Seaplane Flight School directory and a calendar of seaplane events not only here in the United States, but around the world. The association hosts regular educational workshops, safety seminars, and gatherings for seaplane pilots and anyone with a passion for seaplanes. So look us up online at seaplanes.org. Join our community and support our mission of protecting and promoting water flying.